Psalms, the 26th chapter. Of all the Psalms that I have ever preached from, this is one that I, as far as I know, Brother Cox, do you have any markings in your Bible? I have preached from here. Oh, well, forgive me. I thought I'd never preached from this portion of Scripture before. But Brother Cox has notes that go all the way back from the beginning. So if you want to know anything about all of this, just go ask him. He, he's got records of it, stacks and stacks of notes that he has taken. He could probably preach it better than I could. But I want you to look with me at Psalms chapter 26 for a few moments we're going to read the whole chapter. It's only 12 verses. And um, I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version. So there may be a word or two that is a little different. But it is a Psalm of David. This is clear. That inscription is in italics in my Bible. Your Bible may not have it listed. But it is a Psalm of David. And this is how it reads. Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity. I have also trusted in the Lord. I shall not slip. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my mind and my heart. For your loving kindness is before my eyes, and I have walked in your truth. I have not sat with the idolatrous mortals, nor will I go in with the hypocrites. I have hated the assembly of evildoers and will not sit with the wicked. I will wash my hands in innocence, so I will go about your altar, O Lord." that I may proclaim with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all your wondrous works. Lord, I have loved the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Do not gather my soul with sinners, nor my life with bloodthirsty men, in whose hands is a sinister scheme and whose right hand is full of bribes. But as for me, I will walk in my integrity, redeem me, and be merciful to me. My foot stands in an even place in the congregation. I will bless the Lord. And everybody said, Amen. I want to talk to you for a few moments about doing right when life does you wrong. Now, I know that's not happened to any of you. So you can just listen to me preach to myself tonight. Doing right. Say that with me. Doing right when life does you wrong. Everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I think most of us are aware that life is full of surprises. And life is, as the song 
writer said, full of swift transition. I have learned this much about life. Things happen. Now, I know many people add an addendum to that. Things happen for a reason. And I think that's probably true for the most part, but sometimes just things happen. And it's hard to find or understand or even see a reason for something of that nature happening to us. But life is a test. Amen. Life is a test. Let me read to you from Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 2. And I'm reading, I believe it's the New Living Translation. But this is what Deuteronomy 8 and 2 says. Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these 40 years. Humbling you and testing you for what reason? To prove your character. (laughs) To prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. Now, If God would do that for natural Israel, I do not think that as a spiritual Israel, we could expect anything different. I believe that life has a way of taking us down roads that we did not plan to go down, nor intend to go down. We did not intend to travel that path, but God allows that to happen so that he can prove our character and he can find out whether or not we will obey his commands. Have you ever been mistreated? Have you ever been wronged? Have you ever been misjudged? Have you ever been misunderstood? Have people had incorrect opinions about you? Have you ever been maligned or slandered or smeared or libeled? Or lied about. Or criticized. No one asks for that. Nobody wants that. Nobody chooses that. But all of you at one of these junctures has nodded your head that that's, that's happened to you. Now, this is an interesting psalm because nobody knows when it was written. We know that David wrote it. But we don't know when he wrote it. We don't know the circumstances. Perhaps we can, we can surmise by reading the text when it could have been, but we are not certain. Even Bible scholars are not sure as to 
when David wrote this psalm. But we do know the reason that he wrote it. He wrote it because he had become a victim to undeserved wrong. Something had happened. And it appears that David had done nothing to deserve what was going on. And yet he was having to live through circumstances that were not pleasant. And they were not easy to understand. He did not merit what had happened to him. It could have been when he was running from Saul. Saul, the Bible said, pursued him every day. Can you imagine living every day of your life knowing that somebody hated you so much that they would not relinquish their pursuit of destroying you? And every morning that you awake, you awake with the knowledge that you're one step ahead of the hounds. And the Bible says that Saul pursued David every day. And I'm sure that there were a lot of things that happened during that time that David found it hard to understand. What had he done to deserve such treatment? If this was the circumstance, David had been called in from the sheepfold because he was a musician and he could play on the harp. And Saul had moods that he would go through and he, he was, there, there was something spiritual happening in Saul's life and ever so often this dark mood or spirit would come over him and he would be overwhelmed with this, uh, evil spirit and David was called on to play the harp and in playing that sweet music that he had learned as a shepherd In worship to God, it became a soothing balm to Saul and and Saul was eased. But it wasn't long until the people in Israel began to notice David more than they noticed Saul. And it wasn't long until things happened and you know the story of Goliath and and all that happened and how that the, the 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 mind of the people was turned toward David and the ladies began to even sing that Saul hath slain his thousands that ought to make any man puff his chest up a little bit i mean that you're talking about a real warrior but he couldn't enjoy that praise because of what followed that but David has slain his 10,000. And he hated him. He hated him. And so one day in a fit of rage, he throws a javelin at him and David realizes he is no longer safe in the king's palace. And so he flees. And for a long period of time, he ran from cave to cave and Saul pursued him every day without really a cause other than just the pure hatred and jealousy that he was elevated in the eyes of God's people to a place that Saul wanted to be, but his character couldn't get him there. 
You see, your giftings, David or Saul was gifted, obviously. The Bible said he stood head and shoulders above all the rest. He was the obvious person to be the king over Israel when they were clamoring for a king. But what I've learned about life is that your giftings can often take you farther than your character can keep you. And Saul was just one of those men. He didn't have much character. He could associate with the witch of Endor to, to get what he wanted and so forth. But And I don't want to waste a lot of time. But perhaps that was when maybe... Maybe it was later during his reign when Absalom sat by the gate day after day. And every day he whispered things to the people who passed by, undermining David's leadership, talking about this old guard. We need, we need some young faces on, we, we need some young mind. We need some fresh wisdom. And Absalom won the heart. He stole the heart of the people of God away from David. And he did it so cunningly that, that, that people didn't realize, but their allegiance was shifting and David realized what was going on and was able to barely escape for his life, running from his own son. What had he ever done but give Absalom everything that he had ever wanted? And perhaps that was why Absalom was the way he was, because he had never been told no. But in whatever the case, something had happened. David didn't deserve what was happening to him, but it happened anyway. He didn't deserve the treatment he was getting, but he was getting it anyway. He was being maligned. He was being slandered. He was being lied about. He was being libeled. He was, uh, he was being misjudged. He was wronged. He was victimized. He was mistreated by those that for, for real, no reason whatsoever were doing this to him. And this psalm was written out of that experience and When I begin to look at that, I begin to understand that David was was trying to pass along some wisdom that he had learned in this thing called life. And uh, when, when life does you wrong, when life does you wrong, you have to make sure that you maintain your right. Amen. Such things happen. In, in life and they steal our joy and they sabotage our peace and they have a way of wrecking our life. Sometimes we wonder if we can go on. And bitterness is not the only option in times like these. And road rage is not the resolution to the anger that you feel over being mistreated or being lied about, or being slandered. David was determined somehow in all that was happening to him to trust in God without wavering. I love what he said. 
Uh, go back with me, if you will. We're just going to kind of walk through a few verses here. But in verse number one, he said, judge me, O God. I, I just want you to be the one that looking at me and, 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 and uh, adjudicating my case. I don't want being before the court of, of, of man's opinion. I want to pass your judgment and I want you to judge me. Because I have walked in my integrity. I've done all that I know to do to be upright and true and trustworthy. I have trusted also in the Lord. Therefore, I shall not slide. Interesting statement there. It means to slip or to totter or to shake or to waver. And David said, I, I, I want to make sure that one thing does not happen in my life during this time that I waver or I slide or I shake or I come apart under these circumstances. I want to make sure that my feet are planted in the right place on the right thing and with the right attitude and whatever had happened, whatever had happened, David realized it had the potential of sinking him. It had the potential of doing him in, but he refused to allow it to sink him or to cause him to slide or backslide or become bitter or angry or hateful or resentful. He determined that something better was going to happen or come out of his experience. Now, we've all been done wrong. I think most of us have. Somebody told something that wasn't true about you. And you know what? It is the natural response to want to fix that. But I have learned this much about life. There are some things that I cannot fix. I have to live through. And I don't like them. I remember one time a situation in my own life when I was being slandered by a man of much greater influence and wisdom and age than I was. And my natural instinct wanted to retaliate. But I realized that in that moment, all that I was going to wind up doing was hurting myself because I would never be able to hurt him as much as he was hurting me. Now, I wanted to. I have to confess. I would have liked to have taken a hammer. Come on now. I know none of you have ever thought about things like that before. But but God helped me. And I cannot tell you it was because of my own wisdom I was ignorant. I didn't really know. I just knew that I could never hurt him as much as he was hurting me, and I was useless in trying because ultimately I was just going to hurt myself more. And God helped me to have the wisdom to keep my mouth shut and remain silent and let him work it out, and God did work it out. 
And years later, it came to a peaceful and good resolution. But there were years that went by that you just have to live with that. Sometimes it happens at work. Sometimes it happens in family situations and relationships. Someone takes unfair advantage of you. A friend turns against you due to a misunderstanding. Uh, your motives, as pure as they may have been, are questioned. And there's nothing that makes you want to take control of things any more than when people question your motives. But our response to these things, these undeserved, let's call them undeserved knocks in life, Our response to these things will do one of two things. They will either make things worse or they will make things better. I may not have brought the problem on in my life, but my response can definitely make it worse. And listen, folks, two wrongs Never make a right. You cannot wrong your way to right. I know that's too deep for some of us to really grasp right now, but you cannot wrong your way. You say, but brother, they did me wrong and they deserve what I'm doing to them. But I'm just telling you, do it all you want to, but that wrong is not going to right the wrong that was done to you. Amen. The sting of unjust treatment is bitter to anybody. And I've had that taste in my mouth a time or two. The key is to keep it from spoiling your life. The key is to keep it from undermining your relationship with God and with other people. And we must determine what the singer in this psalm determined. That what was happening to him was not going to define him. I say that often, but I say it because that is one of the most powerful principles that I know of in my spiritual life. Is that I cannot allow what is happening to me or my circumstances that I am in in this moment. I cannot let that be what determines who I am, what I am, what I will become, or what God says of me in the future. I cannot let my circumstances dictate to me who I am. Amen. Sometimes we have to live through things like this to help develop our character. Amen. God uses these things to refine us. Now we pray, God, make my heart clean. We just don't like the way God has to go about doing that. Because to purify gold, you had to have fire. Really hot fire. I mean really, really, really hot fire. I forgot we were in uh, Branson or Pigeon Forge somewhere. We were in the smelting area. And they were telling us how much 
the temperature had to be at in order to purify certain objects. And I'm telling you, folks, I don't remember the exact temperature, but it was way up there. It was uncomfortable. I mean, we get uncomfortable if it gets 75. Well, I promise you it was way past 75. But that's what it takes to purify. And many things that God does in my life or he allows to be used in my life is for the purpose of purifying my life, of helping bring out of me those things that are still not like him so he can drag it off and throw it away and say, that's that's not what needs to be a part of your life. And so David determined that whatever happened, however he was treated, whatever people said about him, there was one thing that he was not going to waver on, and that was he was determined, I am going to trust God through this ordeal. Amen. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to lean on him. And I am not going to slip or slide or slack or shake under the load of what is coming on me or has been put on me. I am not going to let this undeserved hurt, this undeserved problem sink me or make me bitter or make me hateful or put an edge on my life. Make make me a little prickly, you know. If people come around, they have to make sure, they have to tiptoe around to make sure what kind of mood you're in. Come on, folks. If you've got the Holy Ghost, you shouldn't be dealing with moods like that. I shouldn't be dealing. I shouldn't. The people shouldn't have to tiptoe around. If I have the Holy Ghost, let me. if the Holy Ghost has me, People shouldn't have to go tiptoeing around me because I got my barnacles out. I got my prickly pear out. I'm, I'm just waiting for them. I'm like that that uh, little stingray, that, that scorpion. I got. I'm ready. Just get near me. You didn't come to church on Wednesday night for this, did you? But here's what David resolved. I'm going to try to go through it real quick. That I need to learn how to embrace. And I'm not preaching this because I've mastered this. I'm preaching this because it's truth. And I have to master it. Because I don't want life mastering me. I don't want life sinking me. I don't want to go through life bitter. And I've met a lot of people. That have gone through life very bitter because of things that happened to them that were so wrong, undeserved treatment. This is what David did. Number one, he determined that he would not allow what had happened to him to affect his walk with God. Read it. He said, judge me, O Lord, for I have walked In my integrity, I have trusted 
also in the Lord. Therefore, I shall not slide. I shall not waver. I shall not slip. Don't let the wrong that has happened to you affect your relationship with God. Somebody may have done you wrong, but God hasn't done you wrong. But you know, it's amazing what happens when people do us wrong. One of the first that we take it out on is God. We quit coming to church. We quit reading our Bible. We quit praying. We quit hanging out with God's people. We become hit or miss. We slide a little further back in the darkness. And we take our anger out on somebody that had nothing to do with what happened in our life. Kind of like the couple that came to church and they argued all the way to church. I mean, they were at each other. Spitting and spewing and fuming and... When they pulled up on the parking lot, they were still mad at each other. They slammed the door, got out, wouldn't hold hands, walked separately into the church house. They did sit together in church. And when the worship began, immediately the man's hands went up and he started praying and singing and worshiping and shouting. And she just got, she looked at it and she thought, you hypocrite, you, you. You, 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 you hypocrite, you. And finally she couldn't stand anymore and she grabbed a hold of his coat and said, what in the world do you think you're doing? We just had the worst fight of our marriage and you come in here and act so holy. He said, hey, I'm mad at you. I'm not mad at God. <laughs> you, you, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be facetious, but when things like this happen to us, We have to be careful that we do not let it affect our relationship with God because God is not the one that's at the root of this. He may be using this to help refine me, but God didn't do it to you. Somebody else did it. Amen. We need to stay open to God. Everybody say open to God. I need to stay open to God. I don't want anything to ever turn me away from that. Walk in integrity. Don't let what has happened to you define you. Learn something. Listen to me. Number two, learn something from what you're going through. Amen. You know what I'm convinced of? The reason sometimes I'm going through the same thing I've been through before. Because I didn't learn what I needed to learn. And God said, no, we're not passing. We're we're not going to the next grade until you get this one down. And God's patient enough. He'll just let me go right back through it again. But he does it until. So I learned. But learn something. Even though I didn't do anything to deserve this. Let me learn something that will make me better. Amen. If nothing else, learn how not to treat people. Amen. When wrong comes my way, invite him to make a search and examination of your life 
for the, for the purpose of determining your character. Reveal the real condition of my heart. I love how it read. My heart and my mind. Examine my heart and my mind. Why the heart and the mind? Because the heart is the seat of the emotion and the mind speaks of the attitude. And there's two things that I have to constantly guard when somebody has done something to hurt me or done something that is unjust or unfair. I have to make Maintain my emotion. I cannot let my emotion begin to make decisions for me because my emotion will cause me to have a train wreck. And I cannot let my attitude get warped. Amen. Praise God. He said, examine me, scrutinize me, try me, test to reveal the true me. What's really in my heart? You know what? I think I know my heart, but the truth is no man can know his heart because it is desperately wicked. And as often as I pray, there's still things sometimes that surface in my heart that are still carnal and they're still fleshly. And God's trying to work to get that out of my life because that's not going to help me be a better man or be like him. And so he uses things that come in life and, and he works to get that out of my life. But I want him, I want to have that kind of attitude toward God. God, I want to learn something in this experience. I don't want to come in dumb and go out dumb. I may come in dumb, but I want to go out smart. I want to leave this experience with something that I didn't have when I came into it, and I want to have something that will help me be a better person. Amen. You know how to take the sting out of the devil's glory? Is it what he intended for evil? Let God build and and weave into something good. Amen. Number three, don't ever doubt God's love for you when things like this happen. Because it's not uncommon that when things happen that we don't deserve and we're having to go through experiences that we just don't, we cannot understand. I don't know why I'm having to deal with this. I don't know why this has happened in my life at this time. What happens is we view what has happened to us through the wrong filter and it it, it, it affects our image, our vision of God. And we begin to wonder, well, does God really love me? Does he even care about me? If God loved me, he wouldn't let me go through this. David said, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to let it undermine my understanding of God's love. And so he said, for thy loving kindness is before my eyes. And the implication is always, always. I refuse to let what's happening to me make me think that God doesn't love me. And, and because God doesn't love me, this is why this is happening to me. God loves you no matter what anybody else does to you. Everybody around you can hate you, but one thing is for certain, God loves you. He'll never stop loving you. He's always loved you. He's always going to love you. That love never ends. That love is not based on your performance. It's 
It's based on who he is. He loves you because he is love. And that's all he knows how to do is love me. Amen. Number four. Don't drift into this mindset of disobedience. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. I'm going to get my ounce of flesh. But let God's truth guide you. Listen to what he said. Before mine eyes. And I have walked in thy truth. I, I, The one thing that's guiding me right now is your word. I'm not going to let what's happening to me cause me to drift away so that I become disobedient to what this word says. Amen. Now, I'm going to try to, I'm trying to hurry. Number five, forget about getting even. Amen. Let, let me read verse four and five. He said, I have not sat with vain persons, neither will I go into the dissemblers. I have hated the congregation of evildoers and will not sit with the wicked. I will wash mine hands in innocency, so will I compass thine altar, O Lord. Don't strike back. And don't get involved with the wrong crowd. When bad things happen in our life and when something happens that we don't deserve, it's amazing how many bad influences pop up in our, on our radar screen. It's amazing how many people befriend you during those times. Oh, I am so sorry. You didn't deserve that. You, 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 you were not, you, you, you didn't do anything that could have brought you. And then while they're soothing and calming your nerves down, then they start spewing out their own venom. You know what I've learned about some people? They always have an ax to grind. And if you give them enough time, they'll get it out. Sooner or later, they'll get it out and they'll start grinding that axe again. Well, you know, it happened to me and and I wouldn't let that happen. I, I tell you what, if, if I knew now, if I knew then what I knew now, I would never let them treat me like that. Don't get involved with the wrong people. Because we are especially vulnerable when life does something And we feel like it is undeserved. And we can get trapped sometimes by so-called well-meaning people. This is what I've learned about life. There's always someone that will take my side. If I'm as wrong as the devil, there's still somebody that's going to take my side. Always. Always. And believe it or not, They'll do it in the church. Yeah. You say, oh, Brother Hughes, these people are in the church. Why, why? But I'm telling you, the devil comes to church too. He just disguised sometimes. 
There's always going to be counselors of doom that tell me, you know what? I wouldn't put up with that. I wouldn't let anybody talk to me like that. I wouldn't let anybody treat me like that. I wouldn't go, I would not, I, you don't deserve that injustice. You need to fight back. Get you all fired up. Man, you're ready. Come on, I'm, I'm ready. Get it on. And all of a sudden, you look around, there's nobody with you. You're out there all by your lonesome. Come on, I'm telling you the truth. You know what I'm telling you right now. They push you, they egg you on, they put, oh yeah, come on, you, you need to say something. You need to put something on Facebook. You, you need to go ahead and put that, you need to write something back about that. And then when you do, and you're looking for people to give you a thumbs up, all of a sudden they disappeared. Yeah. Amen. You cannot identify with wrong characters and get a right result. You need to look at their fruit. And a tree, I don't care how you can tape stuff on it, but it's not going to stay. A tree is known by its fruit. Don't adopt their way of dealing with this injustice. Getting even, listen to me, getting even never glorifies God. It only glorifies my ego. And what do I want to happen in my life. I want God to be glorified in my life. And sometimes in order for him to be glorified, he must increase and I must decrease. The wrong people around me during times like this can get me into trouble with God. Amen. I'm hurrying on. I don't know what number this is. Number six, I guess. Number seven. Keep your eyes on the Lord, not on the wrong. You got to get this. You, you got to get this. Because if you don't get your eyes off of what's happened to you, you're going to wind up wrecking you got to get your eyes back on one thing, and that's him. Amen. Walk. He said, I'm going to walk in your truth. I am going to keep my eyes focused on you. I am not going to let my attention be pulled away by these incidents of life. I'm going to let God be the judge over people. I'm going to keep my eyes on him. Amen. Because if I ever let my eyes get on things, 
a wreck. You cannot drive down the highway with your eyes distracted by that nitwit that's beside you that keeps speeding up, slowing down, speeding up. You go ahead and do it, but you're going to wind up wrecking. He's going to go on down the highway, not even know that anything happened to you. And so it is in life that if we're not careful, we get our eyes on the wrong thing. We get to looking at everybody that's done wrong. We get to looking at everything. Hey, folks, I have something to admit to you. Sometimes in the old ark of God, it gets a little stinky. Sometimes in the ark of God, sometimes it's not comfortable. Sometimes when you've got all that goes on inside the ark, it's not always the most pleasant. But I promise you, it's a whole lot better in here than it is outside where the storm's going on. So I can put up with a little stink in here as long as I can make it safely to the other side and get through this storm of life. You know, as long as I'm in the church, it's not going to be perfect. Now, I don't know about you, but as long as I am in the church, it's not going to be perfect. As long as I am here, it is not going to be ideal. But I'm not going to abandon The church, I'm not going to turn away and walk away from God just because of a few backsliders or a few backbiters or a few cold or indifferent or mean or, amen. I'm just not going to do it. Praise God. Oh, Lord, he's preaching good tonight. Amen. Verse 6 and 7. Let me read 6 and 7. He said, I will wash mine hands in innocency, so I will compass thine altar, O Lord, that I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all thy wondrous works. When things like this, when undeserved things happen, you have to work to maintain a positive attitude. I said, you have to work to do that. You have to determine, I will, I will wash my hands. I will compass your altar. I will publish with my voice your praise. I will. I have to stay near the altar. Because it's near the altar where I can keep myself washed clean of all of that stuff that wants to attach itself to me when I'm going through things. And you know what usually wants to attach itself to me are spirits. I don't know how, I'm, I don't fully understand this. My brother here, he could probably give you a better, brother 20 probably could give you a better explanation. I just know this. That when something happens in my life and I am mistreated, there are spirits that are released that begin to operate around my life. And if I'm not careful, I can let those things attach themselves to my spirit. Bitterness, hatred, jealousy, anger, resentment, all of that. 
Amen. I better hurry up. Stay near the altar. My salvation is the altar. My all, my friend is the altar. And when I'm going through times like this, I need to live at the altar. Amen. Find something to be thankful for in the midst of your troubles. He said it like this. Lord, that I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all thy wondrous works. Remember what I said earlier? Don't be mad at God because of what people are doing to you. Find something to praise him for. Amen. First Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in everything, all things. Stay faithful in worship. Verse number 8. Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house and the place where thine honor dwelleth. Don't let this thing that's happening to you take your praise. Amen. When you get into his presence, something happens. Something happens. When you get into his presence... And that's why your worship when you're going through times like this is so valuable and it's so critical. Because in his presence, there is fullness of joy. There is fullness of joy. At his right hand, there are pleasures evermore. The Bible said in another portion that the joy of the Lord is my strength. That when I find a way to worship through my anxieties and my stress and what I'm going through that I don't understand, God allows his presence to fill my my heart and that joy gives me the strength to be able to stay on my feet and keep going. Amen. And I found this to be true. Worship is healing. The doctor can tell you that. Worship is healing. When you truly begin to pour your heart out in worship, there's a balm of heaven that just washes over you. And it it's like that oil that runs down the head, calms, runs all those those things out of your life. I got to hurry. Look for higher ground. This is what he said in the, in, in, in the, he said, my foot standeth in an even place. In the original text, this indicated a higher place. Some thought it was a high plateau or perhaps even a mountain peak. But somehow what David had gone through, he had been able to climb up to a higher place where he had a better perspective of what was going on and he had a better perspective of life. And he realized everybody doesn't hate me. Everybody's not against me. Everybody's not wrong. Everything about life is not this bad. I mean, look, when you get to a high enough place, you can see a bigger horizon and a level place carries the idea that you have gotten to a place that has a better view, a commanding view, a broader range of sight that is in contrast to what you would have had. If you had stayed down there in the mully grubs, whining about what had happened to you. And he said, I'm going to set myself apart from the crowd. 
I'm not going to panic. I'm not going to backslide. I'm not going to let carnal desire take over. I'm not going to let anxiety ruin my life. I'm going to patiently stand and wait for God to relieve me. Amen. I'm going to look upon the process from God's perspective. Not from my limited viewpoint. But I want to know what does God see in what I'm going through. I need to stay calm and carry on. Amen. Praise God. Let's stand. Be wise in the midst of your troubles. Amen. My foot standeth in an even place. In the congregations will I bless the Lord. Amen. Doing right when life does you wrong. I think you and I need to memorize Psalms 26. We need to let it become our mantra, our prayer. God, help me. Help me to keep a right attitude. Help me to keep my spirit washed. Help me to stay close to the altar. Help me not to lose my praise, Lord. Amen. Help me to maintain that spirit of worship in the midst of my troubles. Because in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures evermore. God's got something to do for me in this experience that if I will learn, I will gain ground and I will come out of it a better person. Amen. And isn't that what you want to be? Isn't that what you want to be? Amen. I do. I, I think my wife deserves a better husband. I, I think your this church deserves a better pastor. Amen. So I want whatever I have to go through. You say, well, brother, you just have a different personality. You just you're not wired like me. Hey, this has nothing to do with how you're wired. This has to do with the word, not how you're wired. <laughs> Stay in the Word. Forget about your wiring. God can fix all that. Amen. Praise God. Well, I better close. My time has run out far past. Doing right when life does you wrong. Amen. Father, we love you tonight. We're humbled by your Word. I know that I am undeserving, Lord, to even stand here tonight and declare that word. I know there are many others that are much more qualified, that have learned far more in their life experience than I have. But I want to learn. I want to be a learner. I want to grow, God. And I pray that you will help us as we go through life and we go through experiences that we cannot understand and we cannot find reason for, and we cannot find a a, a purpose in these things, that we will turn our eyes to you and ask of you, God, what is it? Examine me, search me, try me, test me, prove me, purge me. Lord, refine me so that I will come out as pure gold, and that when it's all said and done, my feet will stand on level ground 
ground and I will see from a new perspective and understand from a new perspective the whole reasoning that you did it, God. You did it for the purpose of making me a better man, of bringing me to a better place in my life. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would be glorified in my life, Lord, and that I, Lord, would glorify you in the fire. Hallelujah. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord and give him praise right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Love somebody. Tell them you need to read the word. Forget about your wiring.